0: A preacher told this story. He said, when you visit Washington, D.C., you're bound to see the Lincoln Memorial, Washington Monument, Capitol Building. But there's a side trip to northern Virginia that is a very important stop. At least it should be for every American. It's Arlington National Cemetery, where the endless sea of white crosses reminds every American of the high price of freedom that men have paid and women have paid. The price is beautifully dramatized every hour at the tomb of the unknown soldier, if you've seen it before. The changing of the guard is, is an interesting thing. It's a thing that people will go and they'll see and they'll watch. Uh, but even when people aren't there and aren't watching, there are soldiers that are there guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. Uh, this honor guard. Uh, has a very simple and reverent ceremony. The service passes the sentinel duty to a guard from another service in uh, in a very reverent way. With his weapon over his shoulder, the guard from the previous hour transfers the solemn responsibility to guard for the next hour. And if you happen to be close enough, uh, you will hear the departing guard say three words to the incoming guard. In fact, those three words have been passed from one shift to another since the duty began decades ago, from what I understand. Do you know what those three words are? Ah. Orders remain unchanged. That's it. They always have. They always will. Orders remain unchanged. Some 2,000 years ago on a hill overlooking Jerusalem, Jesus gave his orders to 11 men into whose hands he was entrusting the mission that cost his life. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The orders to Jesus' first soldiers were clear. Pour your lives into getting the gospel of Jesus to as many people as you possibly can. And this morning, I tell you, the orders remain unchanged. They haven't changed for 2,000 years, and they won't change again. The message is still the same. It's the job that God has given us to do. And this morning, I hope you will be stirred about that. There's a wonderful opportunity we have as we look at the end of Mark chapter 16 to be reminded of the great duty we have. And what a privilege that is when we have someone who is going to follow part of the great commission that we read about. And it specifically is mentioned in the book of Matthew. Uh, We have opportunity to have missionaries who are doing the work that God has called them to do. And we have opportunity to be reminded those who are part of the family of God this morning. The orders haven't changed. The job is still ours to do, and I hope you will not grow weary of ever hearing these words and this message and taking time to think about it. You know, sometimes you can come to a passage like this, a familiar passage, and just kind of let it go over and, and, uh, you know, kind of forget about it or to say, yeah, I've heard that before and go into autopilot. And if you do that and start napping on me this morning, I'm going to come down and whop you with my Bible. Because the truth is, we need to be reminded of this. And may we never forget, the orders haven't changed. They never will. But the message still needs to be heard. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Dear Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts once again this morning with this great commission that Jesus Christ gave. I pray that you'd help us to understand this passage once again. Uh, Maybe even in a new light today. And may we be then challenged to be about the work, understanding that the orders haven't changed. And it wasn't just the 11 who are supposed to go out and share the good news of the gospel, but that it's every believer in this room who has the the privilege, the opportunity, and the responsibility to take the good news. Thank you that the orders haven't changed, that you made them simple enough that a young person, a child, could understand them. Help us, Lord God. Not just to say we know them, but help us, Lord God, today to be stirred to follow the orders. And we'll thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you might be a little confused this morning, wondering why we're back in Mark chapter 16. Uh, Last week it appeared we finished the book because we used the word surrender, and the word surrender dealt with the last verses of this chapter. So let me explain three reasons why. Why? I'm back to it this morning. One was because I knew that there was a young lady, Brooklyn, who's going to follow the Lord and believers' baptism today. And, and the more I thought about the fact Jesus Christ gave his command and his order and she's obeying his command today. And so there's a reason for us to look at this subject. It's very fitting and it's appropriate for us to come back to the to this passage. As well, i got to tell you this. The second reason why I'm doing it is because it bothered me That because of time, we only made brief remarks about what is talked about in verses 14 and on through verse 20. Hey, look, we had the death of Jesus Christ to deal with. We had the resurrection of Jesus Christ at the beginning of chapter 16. And they took a great portion of time. And quite honestly, verses 14 to 20 deserve as much time, if not more. Because these are the marching orders. The orders haven't changed And so uh, being, if you would, convicted about that and just the lack of time we were able to give to it, I felt it be very appropriate for us once again to look at this important part of Scripture and understand that it relates to you and I this morning. In this room, everyone who's saved needs to hear these verses and needs to live these verses. We're here because of chapter 15 and the beginning of chapter 16, but our work Starts in verse 14 and on through the end of the chapter. So don't miss that. And I didn't want you to as well. We've got a missionary today who's a sent one. And the truth is we're all missionaries. We're all sent ones. And here is our sending. These are our marching orders. And the orders haven't changed. They've been the same. And they're going to continue to be the same. And we need to hear them. And I'm going to share even another reason a little bit later on that I hope will stir your heart a little bit further. But today, if you would now, let's go back to our passage that we introduced by reading verse 15 a few moments ago. And let's read starting in verse 14. Uh, We pick up there where it says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And so so Mark shares with us in his concise version of the gospel, because remember, it is the shortest of all the gospels. In his concise version of the gospel, he didn't want to leave out the message that Jesus Christ left with his followers after he was risen from the dead. He wanted to make sure we heard the message here. So we begin with the words, the words of Jesus Christ. The words here are living words, or if you want to follow alliteration, they're dynamic words because they are the words of Jesus, the one who has, been risen, has risen from the dead. Uh, by the way, did you hear about the mother who was conversing with her little boy? I, I read this story. I thought it was great. She was talking about the wonderful things God had done for them and all his wonderful works. And after sharing a few of the great things, it got it done or a little boy agreed. He said, yeah, mom. And think he did all those things with his left hand. His mother looked quizzically at the little boy and said, why do you think God did all those things with his left hand? And the boy said, because Jesus went to heaven and he's sitting on his right hand. <laughs> now, we find those words in verse 19 of this passage that we just read. Um, I think a little bit misunderstood by the boy, all right? He's not sitting on the hand, all right? Uh, but these words remind us that the Great Commission isn't a message of someone that's dead. It's not a message of someone who's passed on. It's not a message of someone who gave, gave his last final testament and will. It was read, and now we're all done, and if you want to follow it, great. These are the words of the living Savior. He's seated. it. Not on, but at the right hand of the Father, today. And he's watching. I would suspect he's wondering how many of his people will follow today his orders. They haven't changed. And if Jesus were to come today and give us a message, it would not vary from what was found here at the end because it was the last thing he said while here on this earth And as the living Lord, he has this message that he wants us to understand. These are the very words of Jesus Christ. And as a result, they are living or dynamic words. The word dynamic means pertaining to or characterized by energy or effective action, vigorously active or forceful. And that is what this message indeed is. The living Lord says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And every Christian, everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ, everyone who is part of the family of God has no excuse for failure. And if we are failing, then we we are failing a sitting Lord at the right hand of the Father who today knows what you and I are doing in regard to this very important command. These words are dynamic words. But I want you also to know from the passage that these words are declared words. It's kind of interesting, but if you read through, there's not a lot of stuff that you find about Jesus Christ after he's resurrected from the dead, at least a lot of his words. He met with his followers. Paul talked about a lot of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he talked about the resurrection, he talked about the fact that, Jesus met with 500 people at one time, and I got to tell you something. He just didn't meet and leave. He spoke to them. He taught them. In fact, um, we we do know that he taught a lot of people, but we don't have his specific words very much at all after the resurrection. That's interesting. If you look at verse 14, he chided the disciples. Mark didn't put those words in. I would have loved that one. You know, what did Jesus say? And we can make all sorts of, we could surmise things, we could imagine things. There were a lot of things Jesus did teach. Now, we do know from John that uh, there was a meeting Jesus had with Peter, and we do know that conversation, feed my sheep. You know that one. But again, very few words of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus taught them all things in the Old Testament about himself. I would have loved to hear that message. Honestly, I wish one of the apostles had taken time to say, here's this passage and this passage Jesus mentioned, and here's this passage and this passage Jesus mentioned. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Because we would know then from the lips of Jesus Christ, all the things in the Old Testament that were written about him, but they didn't write those things, but they did write this. They didn't tell us about what Jesus did in chiding the men. They didn't tell us about what Jesus did there. They didn't tell us what Jesus said here. They didn't tell us all the Old Testament passages that Jesus brought up as he walked with them on the road to Emmaus. He, and, and all those things, he didn't write those things, but they did write, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature because they knew that that Those are the marching orders every Christian needs to know today because the living Lord that is seated at the right hand of the Father today still has given the same commands. The orders haven't changed. So, my friends, they are dynamic words because they're words of the living Savior right now, this very moment, they are the declared words of God. Do you know, you say, well, wait a second, Matthew mentioned it, Mark mentioned it, but the others didn't. That's not really true. John, do you know when he ended the book, he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. All of them made reference to the fact that Jesus Christ made this command. You say, well, wait a second, what about Luke? Well, actually, you read the end of the book of Luke and you see some reference to and some idea about this great commission. But if you have a problem with Luke not mentioning it there, then just read Acts chapter 1. Because in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when Luke writes this uh, treat, treat, treat I knew I was going to get a, have a trouble with that. When he wrote, wrote his words in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, he said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Words of Jesus Christ. You realize Jesus must have reiterated this message a number of times because each one was a little bit different, but he kept driving home the same thing. And every one of the authors wanted to take time to say, hey, look, Christian, there's a job for you to do. These are the words of Jesus, the living Lord. They're dynamic words. They are declared words that we have a job to do. They are direct and deliberate words. It's clear. Look, Brooklyn can understand these things. And she's going to follow one of the commands that is is written there. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, and then we're supposed to be baptized, follow the Lord, and believers' baptism. By the way, not to be saved, you say, well, are you going to to preach through all the things in this passage? Oh, we don't have time to get off on all those different subjects. But I'll tell you what, it's belief that saves or damns a person. Baptism has nothing to do with that. What? Brooklyn is doing this morning is important because she's obeying the command of her Lord Jesus Christ it's not going to save her it's not going to take away her sins they have already been cared for by the blood of Jesus Christ it's not going to make her any better better person but it's going to be her opportunity to tell you today I have trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ's payment for my sin that is her opportunity and it's her privilege and I'm thankful to be part of that this morning and to rejoice in the fact that she is going to obey the commands of her, that, that second command of the Lord Jesus Christ that was given on that day. They were direct and deliberate deliver words so that a young person can come to faith in Jesus Christ and a young person can be involved in sharing with others the good news. You know, it's an amazing thing, um, but, but Brooklyn is probably a better witness than a number of people in this room in, in many ways. In fact, I found that a lot of times my kids started conversations that I wouldn't start. Have any of you ever found that to be true? You know, once our kids got saved, they started getting concerned about their, you know, all around and, and sometimes it's kind of like, I don't have time for this. And it's like, my kids are reminding me of the great commission because kids can understand. they we're supposed to tell others the good news about Jesus Christ. Yeah, dad, tell that guy about Jesus. Okay, son. All right, daughter. (laughs) You know, it's an amazing thing. Kids can understand. It is so clear. This this isn't something that that you have to have a doctorate to do. And what's interesting is is Christians all around the world, adults, make excuses for, for not doing it. And yet, it is so clear God gave us these words when he shared with us this command, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every to every creature, when he said in these words um, and, and, uh, and the command that God gave us, they're just, they're just so clear. Let me also tell you one other thing. They're divine words. In John 1.1, 1, 1, we're told in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word that's talked about in John chapter 1, according to John 1, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word, the word is God. So this command and these things that are spoken, they're not one group of soldiers and one one branch of the military telling another branch of the military the orders have remained unchanged or the orders remain unchanged. It's not some president who made a declaration and they, they put up some, some memorial so everyone would go and be reminded about those who have given their lives in service to their country. These are the words, these are the words of God. Now stop and think about that. These are the words of God. You know they, they put them in, in red letter. don't you love? Don't you love print today, you know? Gives you a red letter, tell you the words of Jesus Christ. These are the words of God. Let that sink in. Yeah, we, we, we talk about, I've heard this passage so many times, but have you thought recently that this command is a command given by God Almighty? the creator of the universe, the one who spoke the worlds into existence. Now, if I got a call and someone said, this is the White House, I'd hang up. Okay. <laughs> if I got a call like three years ago and said, this is the White House, I would have said, ah, you're kidding me. I'm sorry, that was mean. Okay. It's truth, but it's mean. Um, but I, I would, I would have said, this is a joke. All right, who is this? I would say, Dave, is that you? Paul? Karen? You must be behind this. And I'd hang up. Or it'd be some huh? brother Duncan. I would figure someone was joshing me, you know? Someone was trying to, to to jerk my chain. Someone's trying to pull one over on me. Someone was trying to fool me. Because because no one important no one important is gonna call and talk to me. Except you, of course, if you call. I just just pulled myself out of that one real quickly. No one of great import is going to come and and say in reality, oh, you know, it's election year. Someone might come and shake your hand like in, in two seconds then move on to another person. No one of great import would ever come and talk to me and say things. But in this passage, we have God coming to every Christian saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is not just some preacher ranting this morning. It's not some, some guy who's come up, some different apostles who came up with their own ideas because all of them in their own way shared this very same message and said the same thing, that Jesus reiterated this message numerous times because they're all varying a little bit in the way that they were presented. And Jesus said these things numerous times so that we would all then take the time to really consider and think about this. And no one could say, look, no one could say about Peter, well, that's just your idea. By the way, that's what everyone's doing about, about anyone who preaches a word or stands for truth anymore. Well, that's just the way you interpret it. No one can do that with this message. This isn't how you interpret it. This is what God said. So then... Have you listened to God today? Have you? When's the last time you followed him and you told anyone about Jesus? Gets kind of quiet. But if we think about it that way, it's really kind of sorry, isn't it? Seriously, I I feel bad myself because, because my God, the one who created me, who saved me, told me, here's the orders, and the orders haven't changed. So, my friends, what are you doing with the words of God? Divine words, declared words, detailed words. Everything we need to know is found in this. They are the last words of Jesus while he was here on this earth, but words of the living Jesus, dynamic words, the words of God for us today. We have his word. The work. We find in our passage the work we're supposed to do. Oh, man, we hear these things all the time, don't we? Go! Let me tell you, the what the word go means in the Greek. Uh, I, I wanted to give you something impressive. It means go. Actually, the word literally means to traverse or travel. It's kind of interesting. So when God says go into all the world, the idea is as you traverse, as you travel, take the gospel. That means where you go. Someone shared this recently, and, and uh, it's a good point. I, I read it. I, I should have put it in my notes. But then again, I always leave my lo- notes, and I come down and walk, in, and walk over here anyway, and I start talking with you. So uh, recently, uh, someone was, was writing an article about the fact that the church, in many cases, has become a let's bring people in ter- church rather than a let's go out church. And so... People believe that when someone says, you're supposed to go into all the room and preach the gospel, it means you invite people to church. Now, I'm glad. In fact, I know the Duncans, I should have said this. There's a number of people that are here today because then Duncans invited them to come to see Brooklyn's baptism. And I think that's wonderful. And I'm glad that you're here. And I'm honored that you would come today. And uh, I know the Duncans appreciate that as well. And look, inviting people to church, there's nothing sinful and that, there's nothing bad about that. In fact, that's a good thing because the word of God is preached here and you'll hear it. So they're going to hear the truth of God's word, and they might come to faith in Christ. And I'm certainly not discouraging you from doing that, but if that is what you view as going into all the world, inviting someone to come to church so they can hear the gospel, then you're mistaken with what Jesus was talking about there. Because his word go is as you traverse, as you go through this world. So wherever you find yourself, you are supposed to be a spokesman sharing the gospel heralding the gospel. So go into all the world and preach. Those are the two things that we find as our responsibility and as our, if you would, the exhortation. Now, preacher, do you believe in woman preachers? Now, usually when someone asks you that question, they're baiting you. And and boy, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble with that one. And there's an answer for that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we are not preaching on that subject this morning. So look it up and you'll find the answer there. But... uh, If you were to ask me, are women supposed to be preachers? The answer is yes, when it comes to the gospel. Absolutely. Because the word preach means to herald or to proclaim. So as I travel about, I am to herald or proclaim a message. And the message is the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that is a job that every Christian has. As I travel about, as I go in all the world, I have the responsibility. I am supposed to be a preacher. I'm supposed to be to herald as a public crier. That is literally the intent and the idea of that statement when he says to preach the gospel. And so I am, well, you say, what is a public crier? Well, a, a number of years ago, when they had to get news, they didn't they didn't use your phone and make you hear a message from, this is from the, you know, it, your phone, you know. Oh, man, does that drive? Try to send try to stop all those messages, you know, government telling you. what A, a public crier was one who got up and told you what you needed to know. Uh, you couldn't do it through phones like that and force everyone to hear some certain message or those kind of things, like a, an Amber Alert or other things like that. Uh, someone had to go outside. Ooh, and actually talk. You know, couldn't force you to get emails or other things. I had to actually go out and say, hear ye, hear ye. And they tell you whatever the government wanted you to hear, the message that you needed to know. There's going to be a public meeting in such and such a place, and you're going to hear important things. And that's what a public crier did. And God has told us that we're to go and we're to herald the message. I, I, the antenna and idea of that word is that we'd be bold about it. I, it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to go out on a street corner and yell it, because that isn't necessarily the only intent of that. But the idea is that you proclaim it. It's that you open your mouth and that you actually say something. And there also is the idea that you should be excited about it. Not kind of apologizing. Yeah, would you come and visit our church sometime? Yeah, well, they said no. Go into all the world preach the gospel to every creature. They need to hear it. So those are the words that God has given. And that is the, uh, if you would, the exhortation of the work that you and I are supposed to do. The extent, the world. If you know much about politics, and this is another one I shouldn't get off on today, you probably heard people speak about globalism. Our current declared president is a globalist in his thinking and commitment. Former president was a nationalist. Which one are you in agreement with, pastor? See, I told you I didn't want to go there this morning. I will say this, and this is the truth. Um, any president of the United States should be a nationalist because his job is to represent and take care of the United States. Should be. Okay, look, you say, Why well, I debate that. you should be a globalist. Use common sense. Look, anyone really with common sense understands the president was not hired to serve the world. The president was hired. He was put in his place to serve America. All right, well, you never thought about that one before, and now you're going to come up and debate that after. And if you did, you're going to miss the point of the message because that's not the message, and I didn't want to go there this morning, okay? Every Christian is supposed to be globalist. Not in their view in regard to America, because you should be a nationalist. You should be proud to be an American. And you should be glad that you live in America. And you should be concerned with America's interests. I I wish everyone in Washington would be. That's free. But uh, here's the thing, okay? As a Christian, I'm supposed to be a globalist in the mindset of the gospel. Because everyone needs to hear. People in Pretoria, South Africa, need the gospel. They need to hear. The people in Ukraine need to hear the gospel. Um, people in Russia need to hear the gospel. They need to know the message. People in Mexico need to hear about Jesus Christ. See... As a Christian, the message is for everyone. Go ye into all the world. So wherever you happen to find yourself, you're, you're just in your little portion of the world. But okay, in your portion of the world, the gospel is needed. And here's the thing. There's no one could ever excuse themselves because in whatever portion of the world you're in, you're going to have someone to share the gospel with who needs to hear the good news. So we're supposed to be not, not nationalist, not, not little... Little local churchish, ish but we're supposed to be globalists and are concerned about getting out the gospel. Every church should have a missions program. Every church should have a missions program. Every local New Testament church should be interested in getting the gospel out. And anyone who would say, well, we just need to take care of our Jerusalem is denying Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and denying this entire passage because Jesus said, go into all the world. And preach the gospel. And then, here's the second thing, to every creature. Ah, that's a great one, isn't it? That, that's, that's every person. So, um, there is no black and white in God's world when it comes to the gospel. There is no Asian. There is no, there is no Mexican or Russian. Or Italian every creature is every creature everyone needs to hear and and we shouldn't hold back the message because someone is poor because someone is rich because someone is black because someone is white because someone is different than we are everyone needs to hear this message everyone and there is no one that this message doesn't need to be spread abroad to whether they want it or not. The extent is to the world, and then it's to every individual. So a wise Christian needs to be, as far as the gospel is concerned, colorblind. We need to be globalist and colorblind when it comes to sharing the gospel. Everyone needs to hear, and it doesn't matter what their nationality is. It doesn't matter if they haven't even figured out their gender yet. Listen, they need Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes, let me tell you, sometimes, and I know because we preach hard against homosexuality and this silly, bizarre stuff about gender. There are only two that God made, and it's really clear about that. You say, "Boy, see, you're, just trying, you're getting all offensive. Well, a lot of times we push people away because we take a stand for that which is right. But we shouldn't purposely do that, and those people need the gospel, and we need to love them too. It doesn't mean we agree with them and we say they're fine and it's wonderful. And if a man says, I'm a lady, uh, we say, yeah, you're a lady. That's lying. But we also shouldn't be pushing that that man away because he needs the gospel. He needs to be saved. He needs to come to faith in Jesus Christ and change. Just like we all do. And so my friends... This message needs to be a message that we take to everyone and that we, we don't look at people and say, well, they're wicked sinners because the truth is you were too. Yeah, but they're choosing to be that way and you did too. Until the day you heard about Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again the third day and he offers as a gift eternal life and he says if you'll accept it by faith, You can have it. When you received that, you went from sinner to saint. And the truth is, someone who doesn't know their gender needs the same thing to happen in their life. And someone who doesn't know whether they like men or women needs to know that same message as well and someone who's black, and someone who's white, and someone who's, Asian. it doesn't matter what nationality, they need to hear the message of the gospel. This is for everyone. So this is very clear. It is, we hear, we see the words of very God himself, and he gives us the work that we're supposed to do. He tells us the exhortation, how we're supposed to do it. He tells us the extent, and then he tells us the message. Sorry, I couldn't come up with an E. You'll have to think about that one yourself. Because It's the gospel! And the gospel is, come on, you know it. See, that's, this is why we don't want to preach it, right? The gospel is good news. Literally, that is what the word means. Good news. Now, what is the gospel? Now, that's interesting because if you understand the gospel, then you understand that Jesus was not saying in these verses that if someone isn't baptized, they're not saved. Okay, because the good news is clearly explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul said, I, we declared the gospel unto you. you. Know what the gospel was? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That the Bible teaches God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Jesus Christ lived a life without sin that Jesus Christ was taken and he died on the cross, Mark chapter 15, that we've looked at and we've preached on for a few weeks, that he shed his blood, not because he was a sinner, but he shed his blood in payment for the sins that you have committed and that I have committed and the sins that everyone else in this entire world has committed. He paid the price for so that anyone then who understands Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day can be saved if they will trust in that work of Jesus Christ. Not baptism, not things that we do. And Jesus wasn't teaching and Jesus wasn't saying, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. It couldn't have been because he says, we're supposed to preach the gospel and the gospel the gospel strictly does not include baptism. The work we're to do afterwards, once we've trusted Jesus Christ, be baptized in obedience to our Lord's command to show people what we've trusted in. I'm tr- I've trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as payment for my sin. That's why I've been baptized by immersion. He died, He was buried for me, He rose again, and I have trusted that as payment for my sin. So Jesus said, preach the gospel. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. The Bible tells us that very truth. And if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. You might be here and you're not part of the family of God this morning. Let me tell you something. That's the message God wants you to hear. And, and, and I, I hope I didn't get you hung up and off on a lot of different rabbit trails because of some of the other things we shared this morning. Because the most important message that a person needs to hear and understand in life because their eternal destination is determined by what they do with Jesus Christ. Is Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he will make you part of his family. If you'll trust his shed blood, as payment for your sin... You can be saved today. Don't miss that message. That is it. It's in simplicity. God made it so simple. He helps us to understand it's not what we do. It's not our work. It's not our effort. It's not the things we put forth. It's what Jesus Christ has done. And you need him today. And If you're here and you're part of his family, you need to bear that message. And I know sometimes it gets frustrating, especially when you have people who everywhere around here you talk to, they'll say, yeah, I know that. I'm on my way to heaven. But they still need to hear. And, and our job is not to be the ones who make people saved. Our job is to share the message. And their job is to decide whether they'll accept it or not and believe what God has done for them. An evangelist told this story. He said, in the book of 2 Kings, there's a story about Elisha the prophet who raised a dead, child, a dead child to life. And he said, we have the same responsibility. God wants us to take people who are spiritually dead and bring them back to life. But we can't do that. It has to be a work God does. But we have a part in that. The guy went on. He said, in 1980, I was as spiritually dead as anyone he ever met. I owned one of the larger houses of prostitution in the country. I was involved in racketeering, bookmaking, and gambling. I was the president and chief executive officer of a multi-million dollar international corporation. And he said, I still think about all those servants like Elisha who came into my life and told me about a person called Jesus. Because without exception, they were insulted, persecuted, antagonized by me many of them walked away thinking they'd failed but if they thought that they believed a lie he said his testimony is an evangelist now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ he said this i never forgot the name the face or the words of the person who told, of people who told me about jesus christ did it make a difference that someone would come to someone like me and share the gospel? Yes. He said, thousands have come to faith in Christ through the witness that I have done because someone told me. And someone was willing to be laughed at, made fun of, and tell me I needed Jesus. And although in in most cases until until 1981, March 4th, when I surrendered to Jesus Christ, in most cases, everyone was pushed away. But they shared with me what I needed to know. Countless people in the world around you, though they may say I'm saved, have no idea that Christ came into the world to die for sinners, was buried and rose again, and they haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Multitudes who go to church are trusting in their baptism, their church membership, their good lives, their deeds, their actions, but there's only one way to be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that is the message he called upon Christians to share with others. The witnesses. We're told in verse 15 that Jesus gave these words to, to whom? And he, sa- and he said unto them. You say, well, who is the them he's talking about? You say, well, it's every Christian. No, not exactly. We're not going to be true to the scripture if we say that. That command, these words, at least in Mark chapter 16. Now, we got Matthew 28. We have Acts chapter 1 as well, all right? So we have other places. But these words were specifically spoken to these 11, who, by the way, did all the things that are talked about in verses 15, 16, and 17. They healed the sick. They did miraculous things. And the truth is, you can't do that today. It would be really nice. if you Wouldn't it be nice in Pretoria? You could go into the hospital, you could heal people, and then you could tell them about Jesus who gave them the power to be healed. But the truth is, we have the Bible now, the completed scripture. We don't need those witnesses that they needed in that time. By the way, Um, Paul picked up a deadly serpent and it bit him. I'm thankful that I'm not part of those crazy people who held services and put their hands in with snakes. I ain't about to do it, and I I don't even like them. I don't don't like... If I see a snake, I'm going to scream like a lady. All right? (laughs) Don't like it. Don't want anything to do with them. Don't want to be anywhere near them, and I don't care if it's a gardener snake. It's a little, you know, good. I don't even like worms. Now, here's, here's the truth. I'm thankful I don't have to mess with those things. And the truth is no one should because Jesus wasn't instructing about that in this passage. He did, though, tell these 11 men, these are things that you're going to do. You need to go with this message and you need to do these things. And as you do, God's power is going to be evidence in your life. And the rest of this chapter tells us that actually happened. Those things actually happened. God bore witness. You say, well, then, Pastor, why are you preaching this and saying that God is telling me to do this very thing? I'll tell you why. Because in Acts chapter 8, when the church has been somewhat established, persecution came upon the believers in Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, the believers were scattered broad. They went everywhere. Because they had all come into Jerusalem. They came to faith in Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost and and, and, and during the time after that. And they continued there to learn the word of God from the mouth of the apostles. And the apostles basically stayed in Jerusalem and had their ministry in Jerusalem. And they were still in Jerusalem even later on. But you know who went out everywhere? It was all the Christians who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And do you know what the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 those Christians did? did. They went everywhere, these are the words, preaching the gospel. So these 11 who taught these people and discipled them in the word of God taught them, you are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they heard the message and they said, we need to do that. So when they were were forced out of the country, that they were in and the the land that they were in because persecution would, would mean their life. Wherever they went, they were telling people about Jesus Christ. So my friends, this great commission is a commission that God has given to each one, each person who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. These men were witnesses. And quite honestly, verse 20 is a powerful verse. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following, amen. So we have the witnesses. So this morning, let me share with you another thought, the wonder. The reason for you to wonder. I told you I might share another reason for coming to this passage today, and uh, and that's why I'm giving this point in the outline. Do you realize how m- momental, momentous? I'm sorry. Mark chapter fifteen and sixteen are. These two chapters, these two chapters, have turned the world upside down. They have. The death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation has revelation revolutionized the world it has it has f- caused the formation of governments the one that we we live in and everyone ignores that very fact it has it has caused and has changed entire countries and entire nations through revivals that have taken place where people have gotten saved and lives were changed and 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 great areas, if not even countries, have been affected by the gospel message. This, these two chapters have tried to be stamped out by leaders of various countries throughout history. Con- communism is absolutely opposed to it. It's, it's, uh, it stands in complete, uh, if you would, stance against the message of the gospel. This is a monumental message. It boggles the mind and imagination that one man over a few days and one message that he gave after, after he accomplished all the things that he did, one message he gave has totally changed the world for the last 2,000 years. The very reason you and I are here is because Jesus Christ did what he did in chapter 15 and 16 and because Jesus sent people out with the message of the gospel. So the reason for you to wonder is because it has absolutely just revolutionized history for 2,000 years now. And we can even argue back to, in the Old Testament back to Adam and Eve because Jesus promised even then he would crush the serpent's head. So this message has affected the world from the very beginning. It is an amazing thing, this message of the cross and of, of a Savior and of a Messiah that would come and die for the sins of the world. But I want you to think about the reality that should cause you to wonder today. Let's make it personal. I've been thinking about this this week. It's just been burning in, in my mind. Do you know the only reason why I'm here this morning? Is because someone trusted Christ and listened to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16. Do you know the reason why you are in church today? Because someone, if, even if someone just invited you here today, someone heard that Jesus died for their sins, was buried, rose again. They trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. They got saved. And then they believe that someone should tell others the good news of the gospel. So it may be they invited you here today and you've never been saved. You need to be saved and you can be. But the reason why everyone then in this room is here is only because of Mark 15 and 16. If Mark 15 and 16 doesn't exist, we don't exist. But I'll tell you something. If Mark 15 and 16 were present, but it ended at verse 14, we still don't exist. Because the message would have died. The message would have died. Okay, so think with me. Think with me today, all right? think we're here because 11 men listened and went and without a doubt. I mean, maybe it's possible. There was some other way, but without a doubt, if not 99%, everyone in this room is saved today because there were 11 men that actually listened to Jesus. And then many others. And the truth is, we are here today not just because those 11 men did. Think. It's because over 2,000 years now, people like you who sit in Bible believing churches have caught a glimpse of what God said in His Word and have accepted that message and went themselves. That's the only way it's gone on. So, Listen, I am not standing here today preaching to you if Jesus didn't give the command, if those 11 didn't go, and if since that time, we would probably say maybe 50, 60 people carried the message, uh, picked up the gauntlet. Didn't we hear that already today? And were willing to do the work. And here's the truth, it's, it's really pretty profound. If Jesus tarries his coming and 2000 years from now, there's another church probably in the same building and it'll have been renovated again. If in 2000 years, there's a church that exists in, in Franklin, Tennessee, or maybe in various parts of the world, um, there will either be people or there will either be a church or there will not be and it all rests upon whether whether those who are saved do what their commander said orders remain unchanged so what have you done with them this week Have you tried to tell anyone? Anyone? Have you even tried to take the printed word on a, on, in a tract and give someone the message of salvation? Have, have you talked to anyone? You say, well, I haven't talked to anyone this week. Okay, that's highly unlikely, but but, I'll accept that. Well, all the people I've talked to are Christians. I, Well, I doubt that. I would suspect you have come in contact with someone this past week. But let, let, let me, I'll, I'll grant you that. Uh, what about this past, for this past month? Now, now here's the truth. Let, let's be honest, all right? If, if you haven't done it, then um, then you're part of the problem. man that's really nice no you're part of the problem you you, you are part of you're part of a crowd that's saying I don't care if the church exists 2,000 years from now And, and if you don't care about that then my Lord Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father right now would certainly be burdened about I think I—I—in I, fact, I say without a doubt, he'd be hurt and offended that you haven't cared enough for a month now, maybe far longer, to tell anyone the one thing he told you to tell people. Said, does that bother you? orders remain unchanged the question is what will you do with them inspire heads and close our eyes